Hey everybody, this is Dan with Blurb, and I'm in Santa Fe today uh, with uh, Larry Fodor, who's a, a contemporary artist here in town, and uh, we've just been laughing about what, how impromptu these interviews are and the fact that we don't really know what we're doing, but that's the great part. So, uh, hello Larry, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, I w am not going to describe you because I just admitted I know nothing about art, so I'm going to let you describe who you are and uh, how you got where you are now in terms of like, where'd you come from? Um, well, I was born in California, uh, knew I wanted to be the, an artist from the time I was very small. Uh, my parents bought me paint when I was about eight years old, and I used to copy Van Gogh uh, from a book that they bought me on Van Gogh. And uh, so I used to, um, to make copies of the Starry Night and irises and what have you. Um, uh, ended up going to an art school, uh, Otis Art Institute in Los Angeles. So I always knew, I was very lucky, fortunate. I always knew I wanted to be a painter. Um, and uh, from there, um, moved to Santa Barbara, set up a printmaking uh, workshop in Santa Barbara. And then I moved it to New Mexico around 1990. Uh, set it up as an, uh, an uh, experimental monotype workshop. And, and along with that, I painted at the same time. I had a huge uh, 4,000 square foot studio uh, close to Española. And, um, and then closed that down in the mid-90s and started painting full-time. Uh, and that's what I've been doing since. I had no idea you had a place in Española. I didn't know about the, the monotype, um, because the monotype is really the first piece of artwork I ever made with an artist in, uh, in Los Angeles who taught me how to do that years ago. I had no idea that chapter of your, your life because I've only known you since Santa Fe. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, was, I was doing lithography and I printed for other artists in Santa Barbara and myself. And when I moved to, um, when I, I found this 2,500 square foot space um, first out, it, it's in, actually in La Masia. It's just south of um, Española. And so I moved all my stuff in there. I, t I was the first artist to rent from this guy that had all these warehouses and uh, convinced him to put skylights in and a kitchen and a bathroom. And then I moved to a bigger one. And I paid nothing for these spaces. It was 4,000 square feet. I had all my, I could paint, I could work on 20 paintings at a time and have three presses, have other artists in. I had, I had a bathroom, a shower. I had a, a artists that came out, invited artists to come out and, um, uh, and, and collaborate on monotypes. And I wouldn't charge them anything, I would just take a quarter of what they produce in terms of the work. So if an artist produced 20 pieces, I would take five of them. God, that's amazing, you must, yeah. must have a pretty interesting collection. I, right have, I have a great collection of art, all stacked in flat files <laughs> <laughs> that would cost me a fortune to frame, so. So I met you through other artists here in town, mm -hmm. and um, since I've known you, which is probably a couple of years now, You've had museum shows, multiple gallery shows, and you have produced a tremendous amount of work, including what's in the studio right now. And when I, when I look at you, what comes back to me is this incredibly driven guy. And whether you're exercising or you're painting or whatever it is, you, you seem to have a laser focus in your life. Where did that come from? Um... I don't really know where it came from, but I always, I mean, I guess I, I was born with it. I don't know. I can't say any other thing. I knew I wanted to paint when I was a kid, and um, I wasn't particularly good, you know, at much of anything except painting. 
and and um, I was good at math actually. I was good at math when I was a kid, um, but um, in, that's really strange because that that those are opposite sides of the brain at work there. Yeah. So you could be one of those freakish, freakishly <laughs> talented people. I don't know about that, but um, I, I do I do I do I do have. Um, uh, uh, drawback, major drawbacks, and one of them is speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, but I have, I have another question, which is, what I've been in here when you've been working on things, and you're very quiet when I'm around. Which typically, when I'm photographing people, there's the constant dialogue going on. But when I was here last time, and when I took pictures while you were working, you know, there's there's that focus. But what I'm curious about is the rain as your work varies. And to my left is our small watercolors, and to my right are these these larger paintings. Does the the range of mood and emotion and how you feel differ from 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 body of work to body of work? And do you mix it up? Like, does watercolor make you feel a certain way? Is it less formal, more formal, et cetera? And how does that all work together? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, I think primarily an over there is a big variation in my work, um, and and from body of work to body of work, and I think. What happens is every every series I work on, the next body of work that comes out of it is in response, both in response to and in reaction to what came before. I think the common denominator in all of it is that there's a John Cage <clears throat> quote that's when you walk into the studio, you bring with you your friends, your <clears throat> family, the outside world, everything, and slowly that starts to go away, <clears throat> one by one. And and if you're really lucky even yourself goes away. And that, that to me, when I, when the reason I'm quiet when I work is because <clears throat> for me, the best work I do is when I'm gone, when I'm somewhere else, when I'm completely in another zone. And I think that's, that, that's the common denominator. I may, I may do a seven by seven inch watercolor that's very precise and, and, <clears throat> and, um, and, very specific and then I may work on a seven foot square painting that is all about energy and motion and movement and 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 um, <clears throat> yeah, but the but the but the 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 focus is in, is exactly the same now here's an interesting twist you live in the high desert you've been here since 1990 mm. yesterday morning I photographed you in the water because I the water is clearly uh, an influence on what you what you do, and I also know that you love to do, you love to hike, you love to be in the in the woods, in the mountains. Are these are these things that help you trigger the process of disappearing when you work, or are these just inspiration for you in a different way? Um, <clears throat> well, the water's always been I, that was kind of maybe the other good thing that I had. I I could swim, and I've always swam since I was since I was a kid. And, and I used to do, when I lived in Santa Barbara, I did uh, competitive ocean swimming. Um, and so I, I love being in the water. As when I go out to California, I love the ocean. I live in the high desert and miss the ocean desperately, but that's why I'm in the pool all the time. Um, because I feel really more at home in water than I do on land. It's like m my body feels better, my brain feels better. I don't know what it is, but I feel, I feel more like I'm home in the water than I do on the land. Um, it's interesting what, I didn't really start to work with water imagery at all, uh, or use that sort of as a point of departure until I moved here. And it wasn't until about 10 years after I moved here that it 
it became an issue for me. And maybe because I missed it so much. Um, that could be why. But yeah, it's, and then going out into the mountains here, I use, I, I do watercolors. I sit and do plein air painting. Um, and, and it's more like a journal for me than anything. I don't sell them. I keep, I have stacks of them um, that I use. And they're, they are a direct reference for the bigger work. But um, it, it has to do uh, really with a sense of being, being in a certain place. I mean, maybe being in the landscape grounds me to where I am. Being in the water takes me away. The watercolors are absolutely unbelievable, so I'm not going to let you sell them short. They, they are phenomenal, and I think the, the, the small <clears throat> size, and uh, I've seen the ones you did, some of the ones on the East Coast and some of the ones here, they're, they're pretty remarkable. Uh, you are also a traveler. You've been a lot of places around the world. Every time I talk to you guys or I hear from you guys, uh, you're coming back from somewhere, and, and many times when you're out on the road, you're... You're very keen, obviously, on museums and galleries and taking in specific work. Let's talk just for a second about, about influence. What, who was the first artist that, that really kind of put a stamp on you and that, that opened up the, the art world to you? Uh, Vincent van Gogh. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I, I <clears throat> excuse me, went into uh, my aunt's house, and she had some little portraits, reproductions on the wall, and she had a lot of them. They were all small, and there were these van Goghs. And I'm like, what is that? I was probably eight years old, and she said, oh, it's Vincent Van Gogh, and so uh, my parents bought a book for me, but I, I have many influences, you know, in terms of, um, I, feel like, I feel like I'm privileged to be a part of a 30,000-year tradition of painting, back from prehistoric, Neolithic times, all the way up through, you know, through the Renaissance, through Baroque, through Romantics, through, I mean, postmodernism, right, right into right now today. So, I mean, I'm, I'm influenced by many, 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 many people. I love museums. I love, and I love traveling. I feel like they, that imparts indelible marks into my psyche. And, and, and many times when I'm painting, suddenly I, I won't, I won't set out to, to, recapture a place I've been or a feeling but when I'm painting suddenly I'm right back at uh on the coast of Brittany one time I took a trip a uh, three-month trip in in France and hit every druid site on the Michelin map I could find um had a little car and just like tooled around all over France to find the most remote druid sites and one of the most remarkable places it was a foray de Pampant where they say Merlin is buried so um Traveling and museums are key for me. I'm always looking, and that's I think I think with my eyes. That's the thing. <laughs> Is there a particular museum you go you go back to over and over again? Uh, well, probably the Museum of Modern Art in New York. That's maybe that may be if I had to pick one museum to go back over and over, it would be that. I think. Where's the country or region that you haven't been yet that's killing you that you haven't been there? Um, hmm. Australia. Uh, New Zealand. Um, where else? I've never uh, Africa. I haven't been to Africa, and that's killing me. And so that's I mean that's kind of that's in terms of the natural world and and the root of everything. Africa seems to be like probably the biggest draw for me right now. Um, and what's the next uh, exhibition, what next opening or show that you have? Uh, well, I, I purposely, last year, I purposely didn't set up an, uh, an exhibition. I, I, I have spent, for the last 30 years, I had an exhibition 
or two or three or four every single year, uh, and literally for the last 30 years. So last spring, I, I started working on this new body of work, and I purposely, I left the gallery that I was with here, um, uh, closed in, in Santa Fe, and I had the other three galleries I have, I purposely didn't schedule an exhibition. Um, because I wanted to work, I wanted to experience working on a body of work without the pressure of producing. And that changed the entire way that I approached this body of work. And this spring, I had a number of gallery dealers um, uh, from Santa Fe come into my studio and see this body of work that is in prog progress. And I had multiple offers to show it. So I finally I got an offer to, to do an exhibition this summer. Uh, great time in July. Uh, a lot of other uh, art events are happening. And um, so I decided, and it, what the hell? It's a great space. There'll be eight large paintings and a beautiful big space, one painting on every wall. And um, we'll see what happens. That sounds pretty good, actually. Well, here's, here's the part of the interview where you have to get your tissue because, um, because I'm, I'm going to pay a tribute here. And I, I know you're probably, it's probably going to bring you to tears. But you, I, I kind of, every time I come over here, I, it's simultaneously pleasure and pain. I love coming in here. It's such a privilege to come in the studio because I'm always completely blown away and inspired by you. But at the same time, it's really intimidating because you know so much more about basically the entire creative world. I'll just put it that way. I kind of feel like a grain of sand and you're, you're the desert that I'm, you know, flying around in. So it's been great once again to be here. And I just want to say thanks for, um, for taking some time out and, and sharing what you do with, uh, with the masses of blurb followers out there in the world. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you. Thank I'm, I'm going to wait. I want to say one thing. <laughs> I'm not crying, but thank you. <laughs> Here's the deal. Uh, you may say you know nothing about the creative world, but for me, creative, creativity is based in being inventive. And Daniel Milner is probably the most inventive person I've ever met in my life. There'll be a cash settlement later for that. But thank you again. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, I hope that we can uh, do this again sometime in the near future.